You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. Now I've created this time for myself. Now what am I going to do? And that, I mean, that can actually be really scary to think about, like, you know, the what actually what almost came out and I caught myself was like, what trouble am I going to get into? <laughs> right. But I mean, this is almost where we get into, because again, we've been culturally conditioned to think that empty time, empty space, you know, being idle, you know, is the devil's devil's tools and all of these things. It's like, okay, so I'm creating this space. Something's going to fill that space. And if I, I know for me, if I'm not intentional about knowing what is going to fill that space, I will go back to the easiest, most convenient thing to fill it with, which for me right now is work. That was Brianne Dick, the founder of MNIB Consulting, a business strategist, and a regular guest on the Productive Flourishing podcast. In this episode, we explore what to do when you need to make a shift, but you really don't know what to shift into. Our work with growing businesses founds a lot of the conversation, but we also explore the growing pains we're going through as well. In case you're wondering, it's both helpful to know what to be going through, but sometimes it can be just as frustrating because you think that you should be able to handle it differently. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Brianne, thanks so much for joining me again. Um, you're one of my favorite people to talk to, and um, as I probably told you before, um, you know, you're both, when you're on Facebook, I'm like dead on and also like, shit, I got to up my game. And I love having people in my sphere that help me do that. So thanks for being you, but thanks for being on the show again today. Well, I could say all of that right back to you, Charlie. These are some of my favorite conversations too. Great. So, you know, the thing that we're going to talk about today is the challenge that happens when you're in a business or career and it's not suiting you for one reason or the other. Um, but you don't quite know what's next. Now, to be clear, we're not necessarily talking about like when it's clear it's not working for you, you want to burn it down and go do something else. Like that happens, but I think that's a different conversation than when it's just that something is missing or it's not working for you in quite the right way or um, you know, you know there's some shift that needs to happen, but not what. Um, and this comes up because, you know, as we were talking before the show, you were like, Hey, you know, this is where I am. And everybody knows I love talking about where people actually are. So bring us into where you currently are so we can unpack, unravel and, and, and sort of go forward from there. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's so fascinating because, and I think we see this a lot in the situation that you described. I know it's been true for me. I'm sure it's been true for you. I'm sure it's been true for people who are listening where, from the outside, it looks like you got everything together, right? Like you said, like, you know, Brianne shows up on Facebook and I'm like, you know, she, she's dead on. She's saying all the things that are resonating with me. And, and you look around and it's like, oh, this person's got it. They're on fire. They got the great job. They got the great business. They got the great career. They got the great whatever. And you get into this place where it's like, okay, I can appreciate how great things are and 
is it selfish to wish that things were even a little more great like that, that there was something more. And that's, I mean, that's been true for me. I've gone through a huge evolution, even since the last time, you know, you go back and listen to the last, uh, you know, a couple of episodes that, that Charlie and I have done. And I mean, my business is completely different than what it was back then. So much has changed. So much has happened. All amazing, wonderful things. And I sat down for this call with, with you here, Charlie today. And I was thinking, you know, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, well, let's let's talk about how sometimes things are really good and things are also not quite working the way you drew it up, but you don't know exactly what to do about it because that's what it feels like is going on, not just for me, but I've seen so many people in my circle, in my network, you know, colleagues, friends, acquaintances, business owners, career people. It just seems to be something in the water. Yeah, something in the water or in the air and, um, you know, I, I think, at least on the American side, um, I think this year, 2017, has opened up a lot of reflections on values and purpose and what you're doing with yourself and how to be in community with each other people. And um, for I think for a lot of people, it's opened up conversations that have not really been there for them before. Maybe it's about privilege. Maybe it's about injustice. Maybe it's about the status quo. Maybe it's about what it means to be... Um, I've talked to some people like they're really re-questioning what it means to be a Republican these days, right? And there are mm-hmm. plenty of Democrats that are re-questioning what it means to be a Democrat in this world that we live in, right? And so I think the there is a lot of um, purpose-centric questions that are that are happening at least in the American side of things. Um, I you know I'm not Canadian, so I don't know what Canadians are waking up thinking about in the morning. Um, but I know that, that that's true for, for us. And I also know that, um, again, across industries, you know, so people don't know this brand. They don't know that, like, we strategists and people get together and we kind of, like, share notes. Like, hey, what are you seeing? Well, what am I seeing? Right? And sort of yeah. try to come up with a picture because I can say before I started doing that years ago, I'd see some things happening with my clients and I'd be like, what the hell am I doing? Like, what's what's up with me? Like, that sort of thing. Like. Yeah. Not in a real defective way, but it's like, why is why am I seeing this until I started talking to other people? Like, oh, they're seeing that too. There's something going on. And I think one thing that's been going on this year is a lot of um, indecision and uncertainty, right? Um, and so, um, to use business language, lead generation hasn't worked the same way that it has. Like the same mm-hmm. things that have reliably led to people saying yes and leading to customers and clients are not reliably dating to yes, or it's doing so, but just at a glacially slow rate, it seems like, right? Um, So there is definitely something in the air, right? And I think when things are just working gangbusters according to plan, you don't think about things, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, when when I'm working with folks, I'm sure you're the same way, Brianne, like I have to really push people to do an after action review when we've had a successful mm-hmm. campaign or a successful launch or when we've been wildly successful. They're like, we don't need to talk about it. Right. It's like, it worked well. And I'm like, no, we can't. Everything was awesome. It. It's awesome. Right. What, why are we slowing down and talking about it? Whereas when things don't go well, I don't have to like make a big thing about doing an after action review and like, Hey, we need to do a debrief to see what happened. They're like, Oh, we totally need to do a debrief. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> the opportunity here, I guess, is when things are uncertain, when there's something in the air, and when the playbook isn't leading to the score that you want, right? Um, it's a great time to be like, okay, 
or it, it's not a great time. It is, it's the time where we start thinking, what am I doing with my life? Like, is this really what I want to be doing? Like, um, and all those sort of pseudo existential questions pop up. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it reminds me of something that comes up in, uh, I've been taking martial arts for uh, about a year, year and a half now at this point. And it's something that comes up in our classes, but it especially comes up whenever we do a belt test. So whenever it's time to test for your next belt, you know, show off your stuff, not get beat up too badly in your sparring, all of that. We always do an opening meditation and then a closing meditation, both for class and at belt tests. But at the belt tests in particular, what the instructors will always say is, you know, as you're getting and getting into this moment, getting present, getting ready for this belt test that's coming up, remember that whatever has happened is already in the past. Whatever is going to happen, you can't do anything about it now. Mm-hmm. So all you have is the present moment. And then at the end of the test, same thing. Okay, we're medit- we're getting into this moment. Remember that whatever happened during the test is already in the past. There's nothing you can do about it. Remember that whatever's going to happen when you go home, when you leave here, hasn't happened yet. The question is, what can you do right now in this moment? And I find that so fascinating because it's really easy to think about that in a meditative context, in, you know, a martial arts context, in a, you know, whatever, whatever, um, receptive state context that you might be in. But then we get into our day-to-day life. And I mean, Charlie and I are both big board gamers, right? We know that there's a victory condition. The point of the game is to get the points so that you can hopefully win and in theory, have a good time while you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know the score and if you don't know how to get points, how can you possibly play the game, never mind win the game. So how do you balance, and this is the tension that I've really been dealing with right now, is how do you balance this, let's be focused where we are, realizing we can't change the past and we can't actually be in the future right now. All we have is the present. And at the same time, be recognizing that what we do now is going to impact the future and it's going to affect whether or not, in theory, we get that result that we ultimately want. So there's a really interesting tension there that, I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't figured it out. I think if anyone has figured it out, they, you know, they're, they're probably the Buddha or, or Jesus or, or mm-hmm. some, some, you know, real, real spiritual leader who has figured out how to keep those two things in, not in tension, but in sync with and in, in alignment with each other. Well, I think there's a third point in sort of the hyper fast creative world that we live in is that, you know, I think at a certain point you realize that the world you see is a much smaller um, slice of the total world that there is, right? And as you create and make new things and as you be, you know, as you show up in the world in different ways, there are going to be new options that open. And so there's going to be some fork in the road that you can't see, but you're building, right? It's kind of like... There's this, it, there's the edge. This is only going to work for gamers, maybe. We'll see. And it might not even work for gamers. <laughs> but it, like, there's this edge to where you step over that edge and you're playing a new game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you may or may not have the rule set for that new game, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, you also have to hold that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm working on something. This is why I think, like, early stage strategists are really control freaks. I mean, I think that's just part of who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. We spend all this time because we want things to go the way we want them, like the way that we sit down at the table and design them to go. Right. 
Um, and I think you always hang on to that sort of control freak sort of scenario, right? That control control freak aspect. But as you do it longer, you realize how many things you don't know and yeah. how likely it is that the way you think things are going to go are not at all the way they're going to go, right? Or that there yeah. will be new things that pop up, those unknown unknowns that pop up that will alter some of those things. So you got to go into it like really, really wanting it to plan out the way you want it, like the way you've designed it to. But knowing that you need to be flexible and adaptable for those emergent conditions that pop up and realizing that there may be this particular point where it's like, nope, actually, I've moved on to this new board game, right? I've yeah. I've done everything I can to win this one and oop, my little piece jumped over here and now I'm in this whole new game and real set and things like that, right? Um so that's that's another piece, but I think the stickiness comes when you're at this inflection point. Um, and I can say for me, there are different parts of what I'm doing where I'm like, I don't know if that's where like what I truly want, right? If the end yeah. game, like I can win that game, but I don't know that I want the conditions. Like, is I don't that know the game I, I really want to be playing? Yeah, is that the game I really want to be playing, um, or um, is this? You know, I was talking to Angela about this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and share it here. What I was talking about is like since I've been out of the army, and since I've been out of that, I felt like way less of a citizen for some reason, right? Mm. Um, like something is missing. Even though you know I do the nonprofit thing, I do the vote. I'm you know um, I'm active in different ways, but for me, there's something um, there's something missing, right? And as I was sitting with that more and more, it's like you know I think it might be a highest and best use thing. Right. So where I feel like there's a higher and better use for myself that I'm currently doing, that I'm currently not doing. And I need to reconcile that because as long as I feel that way, I know eventually I'm going to make some some choice that may not be true, but feels true in the moment. Right. That feels yeah. super real. And so, you know, um, that highest and best use thing personally is one of those things that that, that will come up because um, I'm like, well, obviously what I'm capable of now dramatically different than what I was capable of a decade ago. Yeah. Um, some of the machinations that I set in play a decade ago have led to here. But for me to really lean into what might be highest and best use would mean kicking all of that away and jumping over into this new like game, as it were. Yeah. And I don't know that I want to do that, right? Or I don't know if that's yeah. the right move. Like, I don't know... Like, if that's the route for me, but I also I know that I need to be really clear. Like, right now... Like, as you mentioned, the past is the past future. It's not, it doesn't exist yet. So it can't really do anything about that. But right now, what's the highest and best use, right? Um, yeah. That's something that I've been really learning to um, address, learning to ask, learning to think about um, as we've grown our own team in the business, because we're now a team of three full-time people. Mm -hmm. And it used to be that, I, I was the, you know, I was the everything, right? If mm -hmm. something had to be done, it was up to me to do it. And, you know, the question now is, okay, I don't have to do everything, but what should I be doing? So you actually create this, this open question, this open space to be saying, how can I show up as the best leader? How can I show up as the highest and best version of myself in the service of 
our clients in the service of my team and, you know, in the service of myself and my family. And literally moments before we hopped on to record this, I, uh, I realized that the question that I have been not asking as much as I should be asking is what would I be doing instead? You know, if I didn't have to be writing new email copy, if I didn't, you know, cause I'm, I'm still wearing the director of marketing hat. So I'm spending all my time, you know, we talked about lead generation, right? I've been talking, spending all my time in lead generation world. If I wasn't working on a new funnel, if I wasn't checking in on the team in Slack, if I wasn't prepping for a call, if I wasn't, you know, doing whatever I was, what would I be doing? And what would that look like for me to be showing up? You know, whether you consider it your zone of genius, right? According to Hendricks, it's the zone of genius, Nilfer Merchant, your your onlyness, Dan Sullivan, your unique ability, whatever that, how you want to term this highest and best use. If I didn't, and it's not that I, I didn't mean I don't have to be doing any of those things, right? And in fact, in a lot of cases, they're probably the habitual things that I just, well, in in lieu of anything else, I go and I start playing with Facebook ads, not because the Facebook ads need work. I mean, there's always stuff that you can know, always tweak and always play, but they probably don't need as much attention as I've been giving it. But because I have not been actively saying what could, what should, what would I want to be doing instead, I've just been filling my time with the activities of old habits instead of stepping into what do I actually want to be doing in this moment? Yeah. I've been sitting with that for for a bit, you know, with, with the trajectory that I've been on. And the challenging sort of scenario is, this is what I've learned in that process, right? Most of the things that are highest and best use for me are really long-term plays. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, there's that digital dopamine, or there's that, I won't say digital, we just happens to be digital, but there's that dopamine drip that you get from yeah. just like tweaking something, getting something done and marking it off the to-do list and jumping back and forth, Right. Um, it's instant. It, it, it taps into all of your positive feedback mechanisms. Someone says you're awesome. It has a great result, right? You felt useful that day. Um, but a lot, largely like I've learned and I've been sitting with like, that's not my job though, right? To do those things, right? Even when I enjoy those things, it's still not my job. My job Mm -hmm. is to do X, right? Which might be working on the book, which I know, Three years hence will be really, really great and awesome. But right now, yeah. it seems like a lot of sitting down and writing, right? Um, and not knowing where the hell it's going to go and whether you've won for, you know, for that many times, which, you know, is brought up for me. You know, I was, you know, talking to my mastermind peeps and, you know, Angela's like, I had to start inserting more short term stuff outside of the business so that I can feel like whether it's a video game or whether it's a board game or whether it's something else. Like I got to have the ding or I have to have the level up or I just mm-hmm. lose all sorts of motivation to it whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you have the sort of the real reality of business, right. Where you have needs today, right. You have things yes. that need to happen today and yeah. not three years hence. Right. Yeah. And some of those things that need to happen today are things that you could just jump in there and just sort of brute force and make happen. Right. Um, thereby edging people out of jobs, thereby like doing like doing other people's work, thereby leading to not saying for everyone, but I've seen this in, in myself and enough clients where like you jump in and brute force it. Two weeks later, you're you're frustrated and resentful that you had to jump in and brute force it, and someone else wasn't brute forcing it. 
but you never gave anybody the training or opportunity to do that. So um, it's, it's super tricky, right? It's super tricky. And what I have found is that um, some of the typical questions of like, what do you enjoy doing? So on and so forth are actually not the right questions or they're not the ones that will provide the most juice because what I would enjoy doing are the very things that would keep me currently where I am and stuck in the same patterns that we're stuck in. Right. Um, whereas sometimes there's the things that I don't enjoy doing or so on and so forth that are the highest and best use things. Right. Um, yeah. but it's super tricky because no one wants to show up, including you as the leader or manager, no one wants to show up and have what feels like that day, like an uninspired day. Right. Um, and not that it's not impactful, not that it's not useful, not that it's not difference making, um, but it's just one of those things to where like there, it doesn't have that sort of juice and magic that it did 10 years ago when you're waking up and you're getting the dopamine drip and all those different types of things. It's super challenging, you know? Yeah, I, it, it's interesting as you're talking, I'm reminded of this idea that we often, we, I mean, we all have all of these human needs, right? We have needs for connection, for relationships. We have physical needs. We have spiritual needs. We have social needs. We have all of these different needs. And there's an interesting cultural phenomenon that comes up that through career, through business, through entrepreneurship, through whatever your vocation is, um, we almost get to a point where we assume that it's the business's job to meet our social needs. It's the business's job to meet our relational needs. It's our business's job to fill, you know, scratch that creative itch. It's, it's, you know, that, that, that's what the job is for. And, you know, maybe it's Puritan work ethic, maybe it's something else. I don't know where it comes from, but we wrap up not just our identity, but our entire sense of being and fulfillment. We wrap it up in terms of, oh, you know, my business needs to provide me with a sense of meaning. I, I need to measure how successful I was today based on whether I got, you know, a number of sales or whether I got, you know, a, a number of things done off my to-do list or whatever that metric is. And it's been fascinating for me, as, again, as I've grown my team and I start to realize that what I do is now modeling for the team how to be and how to show up. And it's especially tricky because the people on the team are like, they're, they happen to also be there. There's four people that would regularly play board games together. Like that would be the board game crew and three of them now work in the business. Right. So we've got this massive blurring. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you guys can see Charlie right now, he's you know covering his eyes because he feels guilty there too. But we we start to blur and it's like, okay, now my social relationship circle and my work relationship circle have now overlapped so almost entirely, almost completely. So now I almost don't want to stop going to the team meetings. I almost don't want to log out of Slack. I almost don't want to stop because that's where my social needs are being met. And if I stop working, if I turn off Slack and I close the app, all of a sudden all my friends are gone. I have no one to talk to anymore. Um, same with creativity, right? Like, you know, playing with ideas, uh, you know, whatever that happens to be, it's like, oh, I do that in my business. I get that need met through my business. And as I'm looking now at how I'm modeling for 
my team is like, this probably isn't all that healthy. Yeah. Well, you see how, like, as much as we might want to critique sort of Silicon Valley, like overworking businesses where you got to be all in working like eight hours and so forth, it's actually just an extension on the curve that we're already on with that sort of mindset, yeah. right? And so, like, it's easy to to look at a culture that has entrenched that and critique it and be like, that's wrong. It's a whole hell of a lot harder to see that you're doing the same thing in your own business, yeah. right? And so, um, I haven't, no, I actually haven't been talking or written about it, or talked about or written about it yet. But um, in July, June and July, I've talked about some. But anyways, um, so one of the things that I, I did is started a new productivity experiment for myself, right? And so, a few rules. One, no more than eight hours a day of work and mm-hmm. writing and creative work counted. That was the important. Ooh. Right. So you can't get up at four o'clock in the morning and start writing, right? And then be like, oh, I started work at nine. Like, no, that counted, right? So yeah. that's rule number one. Two, done by five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, three, which was one of the harder ones, is no admin work in between meetings. So a full on break, mm-hmm. leave the office sort of scenario. Um, super, super challenging to do, right? Um, you know, um, driven, <laughs> driven, um, career folks and entrepreneurs will understand that because like, that means that, okay, wait a second. If I'm not doing my admin work between meetings and I have two or three meetings and appointments and interviews and things a day, then that means I got to get everything done in like two hours in the morning, right? Yeah. Including my admin, including all of my creative work and so on and so forth. And I'm like, shit, how am I going to make this happen? Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I did that I was thinking about along this sort of modeling sort of scenarios, like one realize one was just doing a audit and saying like, wait a second for every hour of work that I do, I spawn off two or three hours of work for my team. Right. Just yeah. by I'm a natural delegator workflow builder and things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working way too many hours a week, I'm kicking off, way too many hours a week of work for them that they can't do. Right. And so they're always behind, always having to sprint to keep up. And, um, you know, we have, we have all sorts of hashtags and, and, and communication codes (laughs) in our teams, but, uh, one of it is like the brace for impact sort of scenario. Right. So Star Trek, (laughs) right. So Monday is like brace for impact morning because they've been off like living their life, having fun for the weekend. I've been doing the thing. I've been ideating. I've been like strategizing. I've been, I've been reading. I've come up with a gazillion ideas they show up Monday morning and I've generated, you know, four projects and, you know, an additional 30 hours of work on top of every damn thing else that they were doing. And this happens every yep. week. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, not only is it just sheer modeling that, you know, I want our people, our team to have lives outside of this, you know, outside of work. And we've structured so many things, but like the policies and sort of, ways that we set up the business did not actually track the way that I was making decisions and showing up. And so um, by doing that experiment, lo and behold, people are able to get their stuff done and we're seeing some projects move (laughs) forward and people are not always sort of like, can't give up, stop, right? Sort of scenario, all based upon how um, I changed my own workflow um, and how that went. And so, um, you know, one of those things you fact you sort of figure out, and so one one of the acronyms that have, that have come up, and we, you know, given my background and given that I love acronyms, anyways, like we now have a WBM acronym. So it's who besides me can do this, 
right? Mm-hmm. So it might be something I want to do, but it's not I do it first. It's who besides me can do it, right? And then yeah. so that's a matter of both skills. Can they do it? But also the time. And, you know, it illuminates way more of sort of the gaps in the business to say, like, do we have the skills and do we have the capacity as opposed to like, this needs to be done. So I'm just going to jump in and start doing it and yeah. tra- and like pull everybody along with me. Um, and it's also created that pause of like, do we really need to do that? It just inserts enough of that. Like, is this something that we need to do? What priority level is it? What is it going to displace? But sometimes I'm like, mm, maybe we don't need to do it at all. Like there are other people who could do it, but they shouldn't do it just like I shouldn't yeah. do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you realize that I think a lot of the highest and best use stuff can become like, how am I setting up this team and this culture and this way of being in the world that's sustainable and that's human, that lets people live a full life and that doesn't try to make the business the sole source of satisfaction um, for anyone, including myself. And I think it's like, you know, one of the worst things you can do in a romantic relationship is make your partner be the th- be the person that feels all your needs, right? Like got to do everything with you. It might work well during the honeymoon period, but <laughs> at a certain point, your partner is going to be like, look, I don't like the nerd games. You're going to have to play nerd games with somebody else. Right. And then you got to go find yeah. other people to play nerd games with. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think what you just said there is really important because that's the part that we often don't do is say, who else can I go and, you know, play my nerd games with? And it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to create this space who but me can do this. So yes, you know, maybe it's a project that needs to get done, but someone else on the team can do it. Okay. Now I've created this time for myself. Now what am I going to do? And that, I mean, that can actually be really scary to think about like, you know, what actually, what almost came out and I caught myself was like, what trouble am I going to get into? (laughs) Right. But I mean, this is almost where we get into, because again, we've been culturally conditioned to think that empty time, empty space, you know, being idle, you know, is the devil's devil's tools and all of these things. It's like, okay, so I'm creating this space. Something's going to fill that space. And if I, I know for me, if I'm not intentional about knowing what is going to fill that space, I will go back to the easiest, most convenient thing to fill it with, which right for, for me right now is work because it's the thing I know best. Yeah. And for me, I'll, I'll tack on it. It's low value work as well. Yeah. Right. It's like not, yeah. not the best thing that I could be doing. Right. Um, and so the, the growth curve that I'm sort of on, I've been, um, I think, yeah, it doesn't matter where they've talked about it. I can say it here about two years ago, I realized that I was fantastic in a crisis. Give me a crisis. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm new guy. Calm waters, not so much, right? Mm. Um, And so I was like, and I don't like that because what that means is that um, if I, because I'm human, um, if I don't find those places where I feel like I'm really shining and really like really Mm. useful and things like that, I'm going to engineer crises. Yep. Um, So I could be the rock star, right? Yep. Um, And so I can do those. And so I'm always going to end up in that space, but that's heavy energy to carry all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't yeah. want to live from crisis to crisis. So how do I get good in the calm? Right. Um, how do I look at, um, look at my schedule and be like, you know what? It's three o'clock. 
I mean, who cares that I start at work at nine in the morning? It's three o'clock. I'm done for the day and just walk away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And be okay with that. Right. And it sounds, I realize how first world of a problem that is. I really do. Mm -hmm. Right. I realize how privileged I am in a lot of ways that I have that option. Right. But I think it's the thing that we don't think about as leaders and we don't think about as entrepreneurs. We don't think about what, what, when, when do you get to that point where that can be a reality and what the hell do you do with yourself after 3 PM? Right. Yeah. Because you know, you got to unplug and get away from it. Like, and I understand people with kids like have a different response to that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Angela and I are childless. And so we don't, we can't just default, well, I'm going to go pick up my kids and we're going to have them go to the park and all those types of things that doesn't necessarily exist. And because I'm off at three doesn't mean that Angela's off at three. Yep. Right. Um, and so there've been a lot of really good, like reflective prompts when like it's three o'clock Angela is going to be working until six or seven because she's got her own sort of day figured out. And I'm like, I can't just do my thing in the middle of the day. Right. I can't just like yeah. play a video game at three o'clock on a random Tuesday. Right. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. There's something I could be doing. Like there's email. Like I've got stuff. I've got this, I've got that. And I was, so it's tricky. Right. Because it turns out yeah. that sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. But that so goes against so many of, you know, the Protestant work ethic, the entrepreneurial mm -hmm. drive, all those different types of things. But um, I think when we learn to do nothing, we start learning to figure out the some things that we should do. Mm -hmm. well, because you have to create space for that awareness. I mean, if you're if you're always you know, if I, and I mean, I do this as much as anyone, if I'm always hyper-focused on, I love goals, right? You know, if I'm always hyper-focused on, I got to have this many sales calls, or I got to have this many leads coming in, or I got to have, you know, this many clients that, you know, get this result, or, you know, whatever, whatever that happens to me, be for me in the business. If I'm always hyper-focused on that, then I actually will not be creating the space to be able to ask, what comes next? And it reminds me of, again, going to this meditation idea, the uh, Headspace meditation app. At the end of some of those meditations, um, Andy will, will ask the question, you know, before you get up from this meditation, get really clear on where you're going next. You know, and meditate in the mornings, like, okay, the next place that I'm going, you know, I'm going to have some breakfast or I'm going to, you know, do whatever it happens to be. But even in that, I would say that probably half the time I don't actually end up going to do the thing that I thought I was going to do. And that's when I give myself the opportunity and the space to have that conscious thought to choose what I'm going to do next. And I mean, that's just, you know, a moment out of however many moments there are in a day when, you know, almost virtually all of those other moments I'm not thinking about what other options there are, what other opportunities there are, because I'm so focused head down on this is the thing I got to do. This is the thing I'm so lost in it that I'm not actually creating space to ask that question. Where am I going next? Yeah. What does it look like? Why am I going there? Like, is that really where yeah. I want to go? Or is that just the next logical option? Um, it, it's, 
so challenging. Um, earlier today, I got some news about my dad who, you know, I've talked a little bit about that, but, um, so there's some conversations that we're going to need to have and everything like that. And I was looking at my schedule today and it kind of, it kind of threw me on a loop in the sense where it's not that I wasn't emotionally distraught, not that that would be a bad Mm -hmm. thing, but I was just unfocused. Right. Um, after that, which is a tendency that happens. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. I looked at my schedule today and I was like, okay, got a few appointments. Um, I've got some things to do. I know myself well enough. So here's sort of the, here's the description in between the thoughts. I was like, if I'm not intentional about this, what I'll do is I'll, you know, have the interview and then I'll spend 30 to 45 minutes, just random grazing on the internet. Right. Yep. Um, just stuff that doesn't matter. doesn't matter at all because I can't do the other work. Right. And then I'll sort of show up to the next meeting and I'll do that. So and so, but this morning I was like, you know, here's the rule. Do the recording, do the work, leave the office, right? After yeah. I'm done with that and then come back for the next meeting. And when I did that earlier, um, I was also fortunately cursed to have my laptop that I did not charge, right? And mm. so it, 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 I won't say it backfired on me, but it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I'm just going to go and I'm going to sit in another room and, you know, I grabbed the computer and I was going to sit down. I had a little notepad. And the first thing I did was open up the computer. Beautiful mm-hmm. serendipity here, right? Or not serendipity, but just how this happened. I opened up the computer and it's dead. And so I was like, well, I won't be doing that. But after, but I paused right there and I was like, you know, so let me think about this. I left the office so that I wouldn't be doing random internet grazing. Mm-hmm. But grabbed my computer and opened it up. And was likely going to do the random internet grazing just yep. in a different room. Yep. It was by sheer poor planning, you know, as it were, <laughs> that that got subverted and I actually had to sit there for 25 minutes, right? Um, 25, no, it's more yep. like 30 minutes, like with a pen and paper in hand. Um, and, um, you know, I was going to make a list or something like that. Piece of paper still blank, you know, and I just kind of sat there. Um, and to go to your point... That's after having the intention yeah. to create that space. Uh, yeah. After doing all of that, after all of that, this happens. So imagine without that sort of scenario, it's just random all day grazing. Get at the end of the day, I'm sort of half mad at myself because I realized I spent all day grazing. Um, yeah. And I'm now better off for it. Um, yeah. So I think inserting those pauses are important. Um, but what came up for me though is I think you and I have talked about this. I'm pretty sure you and I have talked about this. If we haven't, we need to have more conversations. We don't have (laughs) a conversation about sufficiency in our careers or in our business at that point to where like, it's actually things are really good and we Mm -hmm. don't have to always be growing it. The next thing we don't always have to be sort of desperately grabbing for that next percentage of revenue growth or that next percentage of market share, or that next percentage of whatever, right? Um, it can do what it does, and we can trust that it does what it does, and we can, and it can be enough at the same time. And I know in certain entrepreneurial circles, that idea that it can be enough is completely blasphemous. Um, at the same time, they're on the edge of burnout, so we don't want to go there, right? <laughs> um, but I think there's that point, because when you get to that point where you can say, you know what, like things are actually really good right now. I've got a team of three people. They're fantastic. We're serving our right customers. The numbers work out. 
we don't have to grow. I think that's where three o'clock in the afternoon, like logging out becomes a lot easier. Right. Um, but it's super hard because you got to sort of reprogram that idea that there's always some size slice of the pie or market or revenue or thing out there that, that like you will miss if you don't pursue. And if you don't pursue, you're somehow wrong. You're somehow less than, or somehow not doing your job. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, it, it honestly reminds me of where we started this conversation, which is all we have is the present moment, right? The past is in the past. Can't change it. Future isn't here yet. Can't do anything about it. So rather than trying to live in all those other places that we can't live anyway, what if we actually focused on this present moment? Because it is all that we actually have. It's all that we actually have. And, um, if we're not in places like Puerto Rico at the moment or some other places yeah. that are going through some dramatically, you know, really terrible times, like a lot of times what we have is enough. Right. Um, but we just don't realize it. Um, and it's that anxiety and worry about the future and sort of regrets over the past that, that really corrupts the moment. Um, yeah. And I know that you don't sound, appreciate. Yeah. We don't, don't appreciate. appreciate. Yeah. We don't appreciate that in a business context, all those years of work that you've done up until now, like the dominoes still fall just because you, I mean, they don't stop falling because you stop looking at them. They still do the thing mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when people get on the elevator, you know, you know where I'm going with this. They get on the elevator and they want to go to the 10th floor. And so they press 10 and then they press like eight more times. Like it's going to go faster because yeah. they press it eight more times. It's like, you yeah. know, it's going to go just as fast when you press it once as when you press it 10 times. But I think we kind of do that in in our businesses sometimes. It's like we can't just press it once and get it like eight no. times, right? Ten times. Yeah. Because customers need to see you seven times before they'll say yes and blah, blah, blah. Not realizing that they've probably seen you a gazillion other times you just haven't seen. But like, no, this is the number that you're pressing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it can be... I know sometimes I'll make things extreme like that and it sounds crazy making until we see how many times we're pushing the elevator button multiple times because it's not going as fast as we want it to. Yeah. And in fact, to stretch the metaphor, I mean, there's a lot of elevators that every time you press the button thinks it's someone else. So it's going to wait. It's actually going to wait longer to start moving every time you press it. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) the art of pressing the elevator one, the elevator button once. Um, not the podcast <laughs> title because it doesn't make any sense, but in this context, right. I think that's where, um, figuring out sort of those highest and best use and what you should be doing a lot of times is amounts to what can I do to press the elevator button once to, yeah. and trusting that the result will happen as opposed to having to press it multiple times or not trusting that it will happen or, um, just being in the wrong damn elevator, whatever we might be. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. so, um, but the thing about it is, um, and I kind of wrote about this, I did write about this in the small business life cycle, is that the trick becomes like when you start out, you press a lot of buttons because you don't know what works and you don't mm-hmm. know where it's going. You don't know if you're in the right elevator. You just don't know how it works. And so, and that's what you need to do earlier on is press a lot of buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mature and as your business mature, hopefully business matures, the art then becomes knowing which buttons to press and when, um, 
not I'm going to press all the ones. And so um, to stretch out the abstract is like, like, yeah, you might start out on a lot of different social media platforms. You might mm-hmm. start out, if you have a job, you might start out networking and going to a lot of the different meetings to see what's going on, right? And that's what you do. But as you go along, you go to fewer of those, not because you're too good to go to those, but because those are not relevant to what you're doing and mm-hmm. they're not going to take you to the floor you want to be on. Um, so that, I think, it becomes a trick because you've got so many years of hardwired focus and attention and habitual inertia to keep pressing yep. the button. Yep. And then you wake up one morning and you're like, yeah, I shouldn't. But what, <laughs> but what do I do in the elevator now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, looking at the conversation, um, I really appreciate, you know, you saying, Hey, let's talk about that today. Cause I don't know that we would have talked about this otherwise. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. I think there's some really important things for people to consider. Um, as the guest on today's episode, you get to issue a invitation or a challenge based upon what we've discussed today. So um, what would that invitation or challenge be? You know, it's, um, it's the same assignment that I'm actually going to give myself. And that is uh, one of my, my latest favorite books right now is The Power of Receiving by Amanda Owen. And there's an exercise in this book that honestly I've been putting off doing and I know that I need to do it. And I I think it's one that, um, that really ties into this conversation. Um, I think she calls the exercise Cinderella goes to the ball, but I don't know if that's what it's called, but the idea of it is get yourself three pages paper, right. And, And a pen. So three, you know, notebook, three blank pages and a pen. And just write three pages worth of I want statements. She says people will often get stuck at the start because we we go to I want world peace. I want all of these grandiose things. And she says, really, you know, if you don't know where to start, start with I want to eat whatever I want and not gain weight. Like that, that would be an example. It seems so frivolous, but if that's something that you want, acknowledge that. And that's the, that's the assignment that I know I need to do. Probably the assignment that if you're listening to this and this has resonated with you, it's probably an assignment that you probably should do too, is spend some time, give yourself three pages to just explore. What do you actually want? I will attest that that question is one of the hardest questions to answer, right? It seems yeah. easy, but it's actually not, right? What do you, not what do you want? What do you actually want? Yeah. The beauty of three pages, you don't have to answer it right in one sentence. You can put a whole lot of wrong stuff in there and it doesn't matter. Because you're not trying to come up with the one thing I want. You can come up with, I just want to eat ice cream for dinner tonight. And that's okay. That's okay. But maybe the next thing, maybe the next thing that you write will be something that will completely shift the way that you Spend your time more broadly. Who knows? I haven't done the exercise, but that's what I'm going to do when we're done here. We haven't done the exercise, but she's going on record saying that she will do the exercise. And so there will probably be some I I want stuff to issue forth. So um, I'm excited to see that. Um, Brianne, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. This was just a, a wonderful and perfectly timed conversation for me. Fantastic. Okay, Creative Giants. So you heard it from Brianne. 
Um, get out some paper, um, get out a pen or pencil. I recommend a pencil, but hey, do your thing and write down what you want. It could be big stuff. It could be small stuff. It could be medium stuff. Remember, you don't have to do anything besides say what you want. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.